Exodus 29. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus. Exodus was written by Moses. Written by Moses while Israel was still in the wilderness prior to their taking the promised land. So Exodus chapter 29 and now verse 44 says the following. I will consecrate the tent of meeting. This is the Lord now speaking. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Let's pray. Lord, give my lips utterance that it would be compelling and be your word to your people and give the ears of those who are listening understanding. That includes my ears as I listen to myself preach. And faith to apply your word this morning. Oh, we ask this in Jesus' name, Father. May this be holy ground right now. No distractions. Lord, that your word would reach your people to build your church, your dwelling place here on earth. Amen. Just a few weeks ago, on our family vacation, we went to Washington, D.C. And on that vacation, I found myself walking briskly up a hill, surrounded by hundreds of brave souls at Arlington National Cemetery. I was hurrying to catch the changing of the guard at the tomb of the unknown soldiers. My family was walking with me. They were trying to keep up, but respectful of the solemnity of the moment. As I rounded the corner, there in front of me was the large marble crypt guarded by a single sentinel. This was the tomb of all those who had given their lives to defend our country and whose remains were never recovered. We watched in silence and in reverence as the guard changed. The men who guard the tomb are the very best of the military services. Each of them is a volunteer from the 3rd Infantry, eligible to apply for duty as a sentinel only after they have already been rigorously examined and qualified. There have been only 400 soldiers in the last 45 years to earn the distinctive tomb guard badge. Several years ago, because of the dangers from Hurricane Isabel approaching Washington, D.C., the military members assigned the duty of guarding the tomb of the unknown soldiers was given permission to suspend the assignment. They refused. No way, sir, they responded, soaked to the skin, marching in the pelting rain of a tropical storm. They said that guarding the tomb was not just an assignment, it was the highest honor that can be afforded to a service person. They represented a nation's gratitude to those who had paid the ultimate price in defending it. These soldiers have been consecrated for duty at the tomb of the unknown soldiers where they serve the national memory of the fallen heroes who gave their lives for our country. And in so doing, they live their lives for something greater than themselves. In the same way, the high priest was consecrated for duty 
in God's house to represent God. Our text this morning clearly teaches us that God wants to dwell with his people, and so he built his tabernacle to house his glory. We preached on that last week. And then he consecrated his priests, Aaron being the high priest, to represent his people. Now we will engage in a detailed study of the priest today to help describe for you his garments. But here's the burden of the message today. Here's God's burden in this passage. It is to communicate to us very clearly that he calls all his people to be to him a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Through this text, God is not just calling Aaron to be a high priest and therefore the high priesthood all the way down through the ages in Israel. But he's also calling you and me to live lives dedicated, consecrated to God. Holy lives so that we can represent God to man and man to God. We are to represent, as Christians, God to man and we're we're to represent man to God. Now, the key section of this text is found in Exodus 29, 42 through 46. And let's read it again together because it's very important because here God reveals his heart for his people. Exodus 29, 42. It, and the it there is the lamb of sacrifice. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you. See, God wants to meet with us, to speak to you there. God wants to speak to us. So when we welcome guests into a place where God meets with us and speaks with us, we're simply welcoming them into the tradition begun by God at the very beginning of time in Adam and Eve, restored by God when he called his people Israel and created a place where they could meet with him and not die. And today is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This is where we meet with God. And this is where we hear from God through His Word. Verse 43. There I will meet with the people of Israel. That is the tabernacle in the wilderness. And it shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel. and will be their God. They shall know that I am the Lord their God. Notice, I am their God. They are my people this language here, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Here's God's will. He wants to dwell with us. He wants to be our God. But to do so, he must consecrate a place and a people to represent him to man and man to him. Six times, six times in chapters 28 through 30, verse 10, six times we read that God called Aaron and his sons to serve him as priests, or for his priesthood. Chapter 28, verse 1. Then bring near to you Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Chapter 28, verse 3b. Make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. Chapter 28, verse 4. They shall make holy garments for Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Chapter 28, verse 41. And you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him and shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. Chapter 29 verse 1a. Now this is what you shall do to them 
to consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. In chapter 29, verse 44b, Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. So today what we're going to look at, two things basically. God consecrated Aaron and his sons to be priests. And God commissioned Aaron and his sons to be priests. He consecrates them. He commissions them. But oh, dear friends, please keep in mind this morning, this is not simply a history lesson, however interesting it might be to understand what these garments mean and understand what each part represents before God. No, no, no. This is God this morning speaking to you and to me through the narrative that he called Aaron and his sons to represent him to his people and his people to him. So therefore today he calls us as priests to represent God's people to God and God to his people. Please keep in mind that the goal of this passage is to call you and me to be what God wants us to be, his priests. That's what we're called to be this morning. And now one last thing before we dive into the text. I need to remind you of something. The ultimate priest, high priest, who represents man to God and God to man, is not Aaron. And it is not found in the Jewish high priesthood. It is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is that high priest who represents man to God and God to man. Jesus Christ is the one that represents you and me before a holy God by taking our sins and giving us entrance into his presence. That's what Hebrews 4 verses 14 to 16 says. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. So point one. God consecrates us to be his priests, dear friends. God consecrates us to be his priests. God clothed Aaron and his sons to consecrate them as priests. We just read that six different passages in our text today. And he did that through clothing. So let's take a look at the clothing, shall we? Let's take a look at the first piece of clothing, which is the ephod. The ephod. And in Exodus 28, verse 12, it says this, And you shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. We are called to bear men's names before God, even as Aaron was clothed to bear the names of Israel on his shoulders. Do you bear the names of men and women before God? This is what you and I are called to do. It's called prayer. It's called prayer. All right, next, the breastplate of judgment. The breastplate of judgment. We find in Exodus 28, verses 29 and 30. It says this, So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastplate of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. And And in the breastplate of judgment, you shall put the Urim and the Thummim. 
and they shall be on Aaron's hearts when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. So these stones, there's 12 of them, each of them represents one of the tribes of Israel. And so tucked in behind the breastplate, behind these stones, are the Urim and the Thummim. These are gems that are used to discern God's will. So what do we have here? We have sort of an ancient, and let's be frank, a little weird, okay, <laughs> for us. Are we talking like New Age crystals here out? Well, let's, let's say it this way. New Age crystals stole this from God. Because even in the ancient world, crystals were used to help define guidance. But God's the first one that says, I'm going I'm to speak to you through these, through these gems. Basically, it was a yes and no kind of deal. Okay, Should we do this? And the way that they would uh, be, be sorted, yes or no, all right? But, oh, dear friends, New Age Crystals is such a poor imitation. God wants to speak to us in Jesus Christ. Because it's only Jesus Christ that goes before God, not with a breastplate with precious stones to bear the judgment of his people, but Jesus Christ who on a cross bore your judgment and mine before a holy God. So now God can take us and receive us as his people. And give us his word. I don't have to divine. I don't have to try to figure things out through crystals. But God would want to speak to me through his word. Isn't that better than some mysterious ancient religion? It's like, dude, you're doing like your great, 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 great grandfather's religion. Do what God's doing today. Jesus Christ. It's like, why are you trying to divine God's will through some, you know, ancient mysticism. Do you know that that's what all of this stuff is today that is supposedly new? From the Da Vinci Code to whatever you want to figure out, all the new, hey, I found something new. No, you didn't. You got something old that is really useless. Here's what's new. Here's the new covenant. Jesus. This Bible right here. Okay? That's what's new. Isn't that good? All right. Glad you agree. Next. Well, let me just say this before we go to next on the breastplate of judgment. We are called to carry folks on our hearts before God. We are called to bear their judgment as a burden on our souls. Now, we don't bear their judgment for salvation, but it should bother us that our friends and family are going to a place of eternal judgment apart from Christ. And we are called to seek God for guidance and instruction from his word for others. So much as the priest would go in and out of God's presence, bearing God's people to him, and then bringing God's uh, discernment or word to them, so we go in and out from the presence of the Lord. We know God, and then we go and we share with others. Hey, did you know what the Bible says? Hey, do you know, what do you think about? Hey, did you understand that actually the Bible says man isn't good, he's bad? So can I, may I share with you? We don't, we're not beating people over the head with it. But we're asking, can I share with you? I believe this is what God would be saying. Do you see that priesthood, that priestly function that we're to bear in this earth today? You see that? We're God's priests, dedicated to God. Next, the robe. The robe. We are clothed with the robes of righteousness. Joey, why don't you go to slide eight at this point? Sorry, I messed up on that. Uh, the robe, which is the, the, the all the way to the floor-length uh, garment underneath the ephod and the breastplate. This is the, these, are, these are robes that typically uh, the priest would wear. But today, just as the priest was clothed with robes, I believe that's a sign 
of today we are clothed with the robes of Christ's righteousness. Here's my testimony. When the Lord called me to himself, of all places, I was in Germany. Yeah. I was, I was an officer in Germany. I was an army officer assigned to the German army. I was a liaison officer with the 3rd German Corps. And the Lord just ordained it that I rented uh, an apartment from a German family that were Christians. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, God's good. So he took this sort of Cuban-American guy from Miami to Germany, okay? And, and, and calls me to himself, actually in German. So it's just, wow, because Army taught me German, thank you. Uh, and uh, I remember he said, that the, the gentleman, the, the father of the family, Bertolt Schmidt, he said, why don't you come with me to a conference this weekend? I was just getting ready to come back to the States. I was on my way to law school. And uh, he said, come on to this conference. So I went to this conference, and I'll never forget, man, seeing young people just alive with Jesus. And, um, you know, I had really just drifted into my own world. I was a good person, world's perspective. (laughs) I was an evil sinner from God's perspective. Um, And I'll never forget, there was this singing group that did sign language. Okay, so they were singing the song about the robes of God's righteousness being placed on our shoulders. It was actually a song about the prodigal son. And when he came back, he gave, the robes were put on him. And a ring was put on his finger. And it really, it, it affects me even now as I think about it. And they were acting it out as they were singing it. And they were saying, this is God's righteousness. It is foreign to you. It's an alien righteousness. It is Christ that is given to you. And he puts the, the ring on your finger to adoption as sons. And I just, I broke. Bam. I broke. And thank God, since that day, I've served God, representing God to man and man to God. And if you haven't had that experience, that's called conversion. Um, I call you to that today. It's through the gospel. It's through the grace of Christ. But do respond. It's a work of His Holy Spirit. But if He's working in you, uh, come talk to me maybe at the end of the service. I'd love to chat with you. I'll never forget that. But that's the robes of righteousness. Okay, next is the holy plate, which I think, yes, this is pointing number eight there, the holy plate. On the turban that was on the priest's head, there was this plate. All right? And what that plate said is, holy to the Lord. In fact, if you turn to chapter chapter 28, verses 36 through 38... It shall be on Aaron's forehead, and Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall be regularly on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. And uh, and, and it says, holy to the Lord. And what that means is that we are set apart or we're consecrated, made holy for God's purpose. And so that is what it means, that, that the holy plate is that, that we're holy before God. And then finally, the tunic and the turban, which you see there on the priest's uh, head. That, that really represents God's anointing, pouring the oil of anointing down upon the priest, as he does us. God consecrated Aaron and his sons with the righteousness they needed to be his priest. Exodus 29.44 says this, I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priest. 
What this means is that God consecrated Aaron and his sons with the atoning sacrifice. And if you look in chapter 29, verse 20, you have a very unique uh, verse here. And it says this. Chapter 29, verse 20. It says, And you shall kill the ram and take part of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and on the tips of the right um, ears of his sons and on the thumbs of their right hands and on the great toes of their right feet and throw the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. So this is what that means. Again, kind of weird, right? Okay. Remember last week we had you know, Moses throwing blood on the people of Israel. So in the Old Testament, you have physical examples of what in the New Testament are spiritual realities. All it means is this. Your way, your feet. What you do, your hands. What you listen to, your thoughts. What motivates you are now bought by the blood of Jesus. Because that blood of the ram and the lamb, we know that is not able to ultimately forgive. It's a picture of Jesus' blood. Do you see that? Do you see why the Jews, it was so easy for them to understand the gospel right up front? And why for us Gentiles, it takes a little, we've got to do a little work, don't we? But see, God set up a picture of Christ. And Jesus said, I've come to fulfill all this. No longer do you meet with God in a tabernacle or in a temple or in a holy of holies. No longer do you meet with God through blood of rams or lambs or bull or oxen and all that. You meet with God now in my body. I'm the new tabernacle and you meet with God through my blood. Which, my friends, is why last week when we received communion, we understood that that means the body and blood of Christ. It's the place where I meet with God, where I hear from God. Is that the place you meet with God and hear from God? only in Jesus. There is no other way. Okay. So God consecrated Aaron and his sons with the atoning sacrifice, and God consecrates us to be his priests by clothing us with the garments of Christ's righteousness, his life, and cleansing us with the atoning sacrifice of Christ's sacrificial death. We read this passage last week, but it is so good, we're going to read it again this week. Hebrews 9, 11 to 14. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not, that is not of this creation. Jesus didn't go into the tent on this earth. He's talking about the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. No, no, no. He entered once and for all into the holy places, the heavenly holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? God not only consecrates us as priests, but God commissions us to be his priests. God commissioned Aaron and his sons with his mission. Remember the mission. God said, I want to meet with my people in the tabernacle. And Aaron, I want you to officiate that meeting. That's the, that's the commission of Aaron. And that's our commission today. God wants to meet with people in Jesus Christ. And he wants us to officiate at that meeting. Does he need us? No. Does he choose to use us? 
Yes. So we must obey the call. This morning, this passage is about you representing God to man and representing man to God. That's what we're commissioned to do. That's what the Great Commission says, doesn't it? Isn't that what Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says? And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21 says? For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Just like the tomb guards don't live for themselves in Washington, D.C., but to guard that tomb. Just like the high priest Aaron no longer lived for himself, but was consecrated by the blood on his ear and his thumb and his big toe. So you and I no longer live for ourselves because we've got blood on us. Not the blood of a bull or a ram or a lamb, but the blood of Jesus. Lord Jesus. Verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ, catch this, circle this, verse 18, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we represent God to man because God reconciled us in Christ. And then, minister of reconciliation, man to God. Jesus is calling you. God's wrath is on you. And he's serious about sin. You can't approach him just any old way. He loves you, but you must repent. Oh, Lord, I pray when I shared that gospel earlier today with my friend, Lord, would you touch his heart? Lord, would you open his eyes? So I'm representing God to man, and I'm representing man to God. Nothing's changed for the last thousands of years. We're just following in the line of what God's plan was from the very beginning. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We've been entrusted with a, with a holy, awesome message. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin. Do, do you know that one of the things they did. Is they would lay their hands on the sacrificial goat. And then slaughter it. They would lay their hands on another goat. And send it out. From the camp. From their place. That's called the scapegoat. That's where we get that term from. Do you know that Jesus was slaughtered outside the camp? Do you know that? It doesn't mean anything to you. No, it's important. He who has ears, let him hear. May God open your ears. Even if they've already been open in the past, afresh and anew. So what's the bottom line? We meet with God, and we hear from God in Christ. And he sends us out to represent God to man and man to God through his gospel. Here's the summary, folks. Here's the appeal to you, to me. God's purpose in this passage is to communicate to us his will to dwell with us and be our God. For that reason, he consecrates us. 
to be his priests in Christ so that we might represent God to man and man to God. This is the gospel ministry we've all been given. And it's the gospel ministry to which we've been called and consecrated. This should be the top priority of your lives. Is it? Is it? We are, no, we are no longer living for ourselves, but for Him who died for us. We're in the long line of God's priests who have, from the beginning with Israel all the way down to today, ministered God's presence no longer in a tabernacle, but in Christ. Do you know that God's will is to have a kingdom of priests? That's what Exodus 19, 4-6 says. Moses writing here by the inspiration of God to Israel in the wilderness, looking down the quarters of time, seeing us today. He says this, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And this has been fulfilled in Christ because the Apostle Peter, 1,400 years later, writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, You, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Where do you think he got that verbiage from? Exodus 19. By the Holy Spirit, New Testament, interpreting Old Testament. That's us now today. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? Why? Just to enjoy it? Just to say, ha, we're going to heaven, you're not? Just so we're blessed? Have lots of money and lots of peace and tranquility? No! A thousand times, no! That is a man-centered, self-centered, false gospel. Here's why. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And that proclamation will cost you your life. It will cost you doing what you want to do. It will cost you perhaps persecution and difficulties and poverty and injury and pain. But it will bring you eternal rewards beyond description. See with eyes of faith. See with eyes of faith and live for what God's called. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Oh, that's, that's enough, my friends, for me. I was once not a people, and now I'm God's people. <laughs> once you had not received mercy, and oh, trust me, you need mercy. Because God is holy. His wrath is real. But He's also merciful, and His kindness is real. Oh, respond to His mercy in Christ. These are the words you shall speak. These are the words that we are to speak. We have received mercy so we are those priests god called that's us we're anointed we're consecrated we're ordained now how do we consecrate ourselves as his priest representing god to man and man to god six suggestions why don't you talk about them today over lunch number one we make sure we know god through christ do you know god Not the God of your creation, my friend. Not the false God of this world. But do you know the God of the Bible? Who's a little bit uncomfortable. And doesn't fit into your box. But who is holy and mighty and powerful. Do you know Him through Jesus Christ? Do you experience Him? 
Is the gospel real to you on a personal level? Number two, we carry people in our hearts to God in prayer. This is our desire. This is how we consecrate ourselves before God. Number three, we carry God in our lives and lips to people through our witness. We talk to people about Jesus. But we don't just talk to people about Jesus, we live about Jesus. Oh, I always am so grateful for God giving me illustrations. Uh, three years ago, we bought a language learning program called Rosetta Stone. And we bought it through uh, a nonprofit, uh, an organization that deals with nonprofits. And I remember dealing with this individual and told her what we were using it for and the gospel ministry and so forth and so on. And, <sighs> Friday, I spoke to her again and told her that the program we bought three years ago doesn't work on our new computers. And she basically said, sorry, give us $832 and we'll give you an upgrade. And I was, I was very rude to her. Hung up the phone. Uh, actually, I was in the middle of counseling some people. <laughs> okay. uh, they, they left. I'm under conviction. I call my friend Cedric Moss, because Corey's on vacation, who's our, one of our pastors in Nassau, Bahamas. I said, hi, Cedric. Hey, Al, good to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cedric, you got a moment? I need your counsel on something. <laughs> and so, you know, we just talked, and I confessed my sin to him. He said, well, I, I think you need to, you know, send her an email, and I think you need to say, please forgive me for being rude. And he says, I can understand your, your, uh, your consternation. that you We don't have that money in the budget, so bye-bye program. Uh, so, but you need to confess to her. So I wrote an email last night to her, and I look forward to talking to her on Monday or Tuesday, whenever. Here's the deal. I need to preach the gospel with my lips, but also with my life. Okay? So I'm just telling you where I blow it. But I think I can... You know what Cedric said to me? He said, I said, well, Cedric, I'm not going to ask her to forgive me. I don't even know if she's a Christian. It, it makes no sense to her. He said, well, two things. Number one, she may be. You don't know. And number two, she may not be. But when you use that term, it may pique her interest about it. You catching this? So live your life. Be real. You're going to blow it. And then be humble. Because you're called to represent God to man and man to God. Because see, God doesn't act like I acted. Jesus did, wouldn't have acted that way. Okay? So that's number three. Number four, we set ourselves apart or consecrate ourselves in Christ to this task. Number five, we build the church where the truth about God resides. Is that a priority for your life? And number six, we live for something bigger than ourselves, dear friends. We, for God's purposes, we live for God's purposes to dwell with and speak to his people in Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. We're going to close with prayer and a song. Lord God, thank you for the opportunity this morning to preach about your call for us to represent you to man and man to you. Lord, I pray if there's any in this auditorium who do not know you, that I would represent you properly right now. I pray that you would open their ears and just with every head bowed, if you would just hold the sanctity of this moment, please. If you do not know Christ, if Christianity is sort of a game for you, kind of a good luck charm you wear around your neck, kind of rub it every once in a while, Christmas, Easter, whatever. 
You think God is just someone you can waltz into his presence any old way you want to. And you know, he'll understand. I'm here to tell you, he really isn't that way. He is holy, far holier, far more awesome, and even terrible than you can imagine. But he's also far more merciful and kind than you can imagine. And I beg you to not denigrate God, but rather acknowledge his holiness. And perhaps there's conviction in your heart right now. And then run to the place of mercy where you can meet God. It's called the mercy seat in the Old Testament in the tabernacle today. It's called Jesus Christ. And let his blood cover your sins. But you must repent and you must call upon his name. So if you've never done that, do that right now. I beg you. Thank you, Father, that you would even speak to hearts, perhaps, that have never done that. They would even at this moment. Lord, for the rest of us, I pray that you would pour out your mercy and grace that we can remember afresh how precious this way to you is, how wonderful our high priest, Jesus Christ, is, and that we would cling to him now and even worship him together. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.